0: Hey everyone and welcome back to Pucks and Pages.
1: My name is Steven, that is my lovely wife, as always, Liberty.
0: We're a married couple with different interests and we try to bring each other into our hobbies by discussing the latest news in both books and sports.
1: And today is the sports episode.
0: I don't know about you, but I feel like I have a lot.
1: I feel like I have a little bit of everything this week as well.
0: But as always, we'll discuss the NHL first because that's the only sport that matters.
1: To you, anyways.
0: Yes. So we actually have a different team with a COVID outbreak. So moving out of Canada into Colorado, the Colorado Avalanche have had three games postponed due to COVID protocols. They won't be playing the Kings or the Blues. They had three games between the two different teams. And they're attempting to return on April 21st, pending further results. The rescheduled games have not been announced yet.
1: I was going to say it was an avalanche of COVID problems in the NHL, but I you mean, took that compared, pun away from me.
0: Compared to the Canucks, it's really not.
1: Well, three new players tested positive this week for the avalanche. That's what yeah. caused all of the huff and puff of COVID problems in the NHL this week. So, But the fact of the matter is they're only missing three games. Where if we go into the Canucks, finally getting to play tonight. Yeah. At the night we're recording, so... They were supposed to play on Friday, and obviously COVID continued to happen, so they delayed themselves until Sunday now. They're expected to play their games all the way into the middle of May now.
0: Yeah, and technically they've not put a date on when the Stanley Cup is starting because of the Canucks. I mean, really, all the games that are postponed, but it's mostly the Canucks' fault. Let's be mad at them.
1: Yeah, so the Canucks literally have not played since March 31st, so just a long trek of time.
0: About three weeks. Yeah. And then we have some injuries. Most of them, from what I read, are saying that they're out for the rest of the season. I think part of that is the kind of injuries, but also we're so close to the end of the season that it's like, if you're out four weeks, that's the rest of the season. So it sounds worse than it actually is for some of them. Absolutely. So one that will surprise no one is that Lundquist won't play for the caps this season after his open heart surgery he had. He was planning on trying to come back, but he's been experiencing inflammation and his follow-up appointments, the doctor's just like, no, I can't let you. So he just really needs more time to recover.
1: There's still rumors going around the Capitals organization that he's going to make an appearance if you know, they make the playoffs, which they clearly will since they're currently leading the division. So
0: I think he's not going to make an appearance like inflammation just doesn't disappear overnight. So unless you think you're going to be in the Stanley Cup final and go like six or seven games, I really don't see him coming back at all.
1: Yeah. Inflammation of the heart is not really something that just
0: goes away. And then you have a player whose name I'm gonna mess up, so everyone be prepared for that. Carter Verheague. Verhage? Verhage? Sure. Yeah. Is currently week to week with the Florida Panthers with an upper body injury. He was injured late in a four one loss on Saturday.
1: He's been injury prone over the last couple of years, so I'm not shocked to hear that he's hurt again.
0: Yeah. And then you actually have two for the Dallas Stars. You've got Ben Bishop and Alexander Radulov, who are both considered out for the season. They're expected to be ready at the start of the next season, but Bishop had an off-season surgery and was expected to be out for only five months, but then it's just sort of dragging on, so who knows? They're saying next season for sure, but he's really having trouble getting healthy enough to return.
1: Yeah, he hasn't made any appearances, obviously, and it seems like even at practices, like he's just not showing up to many of them because of his health, so it's not a shock to not see the guy coming back this season. Uh, Radulov with his competitive spirit, I honestly thought he was going to try to come back if the stars were going to make the playoffs, which they're technically still in contention for a spot. They're only right. three points back of the fourth spot right now.
0: Well, with Rajulov, he's actually having a core muscle surgery. And so he has to take the time to recover with any core injury. I feel like it takes longer than you would expect because it affects everything you do. Right. And then the injury that made me wince the absolute most was Jack Eichel is going to be out for the season for the Buffalo Sabres with a herniated disc in his neck. Yeah. He's expected to return next season. He will continue rehabbing the injury and be evaluated in early May to determine if he'll need surgery.
1: Yeah, it's definitely not a pretty injury to have, that's for sure.
0: There's also... Linus Olmark is out week to week for the Buffalo Sabers with a lower body injury, and he could be out for the rest of the season. But he really needs to be reevaluated to determine that.
1: I think what's the worst news for the Sabers on that one is the fact that he just came back like two weeks ago from a small short-term injury. So it's just like, ah, you got him back. You're like, yes, our starting goalie's back, and then he's gone again.
0: All right. He was injured in the first period of the game against the Bruins on April 13th. Yeah. And then the last injury I have for the NHL is Steven Stamkos was placed on long-term IR for the Tampa Bay Lightning with a lower body injury. He's eligible to return on May 3rd because they're backdating his IR. He was injured in the third period of game against the Columbus Blue Jackets on April 8th. Is this why they've been playing poorly?
1: A number of reasons. It just doesn't seem like it's clicking the last couple weeks down there uh, in Tampa Bay. So they just got shut out by Nashville. I believe it was yesterday. And they barely won the game previous to that against Nashville. And like Nashville's a good team. They're obviously in fourth place right now. But the Lightning are so stacked, even with the injuries, it's like, how is this happening? Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Albeit Nikita Kucherov will be back before the playoffs, more than likely, based on estimates. So they just need to hold out a little longer. You know, they're almost back.
0: Well, what place are they now?
1: They're currently in third place. They've fallen from glory from first. Um, I knew
0: that they had, so...
1: Yeah, it's Carolina, Florida, Tampa Bay. If you'd have told me that that would have been the top three where we're at almost at the end of the season, I would have been like, what?
0: Yeah. But speaking about Nashville, the Nashville Predators forward Michael McCarron has been suspended two games without pay for an illegal check to the head of Tampa Bay Lightning forward Yanni Gord during the game on Saturday, April 10th. He will forfeit $12,068.96, which will go to the Players' Emergency Assistance Fund.
1: Just imagine if the NHL, like, increased the fines on these, like, blatant hits like his was on Yanni Gord. So it's just like... (sighs)
0: Well, they'd have to restructure the CBA because that's in the CBA. Right. But, yes, they should. I feel like they should. Because you also have the Toronto Maple Leafs forward Zach Hyman, who has been fined $5,000 for high-sticking Winnipeg Jets defenseman Neil Pionic during the game on Thursday, April 15th. So, like, I don't know. For most of these guys, $5,000 is nothing. Right. Like, is he mad he's losing $5,000? Probably is it worth it to change his behavior? Probably not.
1: Exactly. It just It's not even like a slap on the wrist. Like, at least with a slap on the wrist, you're like, ow, oh, that kind of stung. Or for $5,000 when they're making millions a year, it's just like, okay, did you poke me? Like, as a right. punishment? Like,
0: But most of my NHL news is actually signings and trades, because the trade deadline came and went last week.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of on that same boat. I do have a little, like, small news pieces as well, but... For the most part, trades and signings.
0: So for my first signing, I have Nikita Gusev. Gusev? You had it right the first time. Who has agreed to a one-year contract with the Florida Panthers on Sunday, April 11th. The forward was placed on waivers by the New Jersey Devils on April 1st. Then I also have Alex Iofalo. Iofalo?
1: Boy, you're picking the interesting ones.
0: Right. Signed a four year, sixteen million dollar contract with the LA Kings on Monday, April twelfth. It has an AAV of four million dollars. That's a decent contract.
1: That's that's a pretty good contract. I, I'm shocked that I don't really know who he is, but it's because the Kings have been kinda of blase this year, to say the least. That's probably why I'm not following it. As well, normally they're like in the West Division, but they're in the same conference. Right. Like you it see feels them more, more there. Yeah. yeah. So Probably why.
0: This season is all sorts of messed up. I don't like it. Yeah. But I also have that Scott Lawson signed a five year, $15 million contract with the Philadelphia Flyers on Monday, April 12th. It has an AAV of $3 million. And the 26 year old forward was in the final season of a two year contract and could have been an unrestricted free agent after the season if he wasn't re signed. Interesting. I also have one whose name we will remember because he used to be on my team. Connor Sheary has signed a two-year, $3 million contract with the Washington Capitals on Wednesday, April 14th. And that contract has an AAV of $1.5 million.
1: With his performance kind of lacking since he left the Penguins the first time, because you brought him back a second time around, I kind of understand the smaller contract, like, a few years back when he left the penguins i'm like give that man all the money because like well
0: he was there for our back to back wins so right. like yeah
1: and and his performance deserved deservedly so earned should have earned much more money i guess is the best way to put that
0: right but since he left us it's not been so great
1: yeah it's been a little more hit and miss for sure In fairness though he ended up in buffalo so it's like
0: you can only do so much correct And then the last signing that I had was Adam Lowry signed a five-year $16.25 million contract with the Winnipeg Jets on Friday, April 16th with an AAV of $3.25 million.
1: I'm not shocked to see this just because Adam Lowry has been like a core part of that unit for that team for years now. So kudos to him. He's literally been drafted by them and has continued to play with them. So yeah,
0: he's a franchise player.
1: Yeah, it's very rare that you see players stay like that that aren't like big names like Sidney Crosby or Alexander Ovechkin that kind of stuff so yeah kudos to him
0: and then everything else I have is trades
1: where do you want to start because there's a lot of them I don't know which ones you have I know which ones I have because I wrote them down
0: what's interesting is looking through my notes all the trades I have are the 12th like I don't have anything before or after
1: I was honestly contemplating just going over the trade deadline this week and just recording, like, a mini-sode and just talking about all of them by myself. It's
0: too much, if I'm being honest. It's too much.
1: Because, like, literally I pulled the cat-friendly website to see all the trades and the breakdowns, and it's like, oh, my God, there's a lot of details that these news agencies just kind of leave off the ticker. They're just like, this person in the trade, you know, for picks, you know, and that's it, so.
0: Well, I didn't do the trades for picks, For the most part, I tried to stick with people for people, but there are, of course, always some of those. So the first one whose name sounded familiar to me was Eric Goodbranson. Goodbranson? That's the one. Yeah. He was traded to the Nashville Predators by the Ottawa Senators on Monday, April 12th for Brandon Fortunato and a seventh round pick in the 2023 NHL Draft.
1: Yeah, it's a little weird to see the Senators build up such a good roster and then just start going on the selling spree at the trade deadline. It's like...
0: Well, and like earlier, right before the season started, you were like, they're going to do something. They're They're my sleeper.
1: And if Muzz wouldn't have gotten hurt, I think they would have had a chance. It's just without a good goalie, struggles are real, you know?
0: Well, but you don't want to just have a goalie always standing on his head.
1: But you need one that is confident enough in the net to stop, like, the tougher goals, which they didn't have after he was out. So, right. I don't know. It's Didn't it, they
0: have more than one goalie problem, though?
1: For years, they've had goalie problems.
0: But, I meant this season.
1: Oh, yeah. They've had multiple injuries. I think they ended up with, like, their fourth goalie starting at one point in time. So, it's right. like, the, the Sens, honestly, when it came into the season, looking at their roster, I was like, this is going to be a good team. That's why I said what I said. Yeah, And also why I took a shot at my team going like, hey, as a Blackhawks fan, this is disappointing. So I don't know. It's just, it's interesting the way things have turned out this year. I feel like this is another COVID season where it's just like all the rules are made up and the points don't matter type thing going on. So
0: Well, I think it is a bit of that, but I wouldn't blame everything on COVID unless you're a Canuck player. That's that's a fact. Then we had Carl Soderbergh, who was traded to the Colorado Avalanche by the Chicago Blackhawks for forward's. Josh Dickinson and Ryder Rolston on Monday, April twelfth.
1: So these are two top ten prospects from the Avs organization that got traded for Carl Soderberg. So I so don't...
0: they don't really have much past with NHL. That's not a good way to say that.
1: So they both have had AHL time, and that's about it. One of them is nineteen years old. The other one is twenty three. So they're both relatively young
0: infants. In,
1: in the scope of things, yes, but. I think they're both going to be good additions. We'll see what ends up happening. Obviously, they'll probably play in the AHL this upcoming year with the Ice Hogs, and then we'll figure out where they fit in maybe next season. But um, but
0: Soderbergh, wasn't he one of your guys? Like, he wasn't in the NHL was AHL? He
1: was in the NHL. He was one of our big body guys up front from front of the goalie, usually speaking. And he had an okay win percentage at the dot. He was a center. So it's just kind of like I really wasn't happy that we were giving up a decent center. For somebody to just be in the AHL, I was a little confused by that. It made me very much it, feel like they're like, okay, we're not hedging bets on playoffs this season. It like,
0: really seems like the Avalanche won that trade. If that's the case,
1: yeah, and like he was a third or fourth line center, so he's not like key but at the same time it's important to have a I good center. I mean you're supposed to have depth. Yeah. Like that's
0: yeah. the point of having third and fourth lines. So like
1: that trade though really made me feel like Bowman was going after next season not necessarily this season and I, I I'm okay with that. Honestly like
0: You shouldn't be.
1: I I would love to be in the playoffs this year and I think there's a, still a chance. Obviously we're only down 1 point behind Nashville and we have a game in hand so Right. It's like there's still a chance. So
0: so you're saying there's a trade? Yes. Okay. And then a trade that caught my eye is Jeff Carter was traded to the Pittsburgh Penguins from the LA Kings on Monday, April 12th. The Kings received a conditional third round pick in the 2022 NHL draft and a conditional fourth pick in the 2023 NHL draft.
1: Yeah, so the conditionals weren't too complicated on this one, so I wrote down the notes for it. Okay. Uh, So if the Penguins qualify for the Stanley Cup this year, and Jeff Carter plays in 50% of the games leading up to that point, that third-round pick becomes a second-round pick in 2022. And if he plays in more than 50 games next season, since he's technically still under contract, that fourth-rounder in 2023 would become a third-rounder, which I think that's probably the better chance. Like, I'm not trying to dump on the penguins I just they seem to have it together sometimes and other times they really don't
0: well that's something that I think is very common with my team which is like you'll be on fire one day and then the next day like you're a wet blanket like what is happening
1: exactly I love the comparison A wet blanket
0: (laughs) I'm sorry that's the only thing I could think of
1: I really want to hit the laugh track right now on the soundboard but I won't do it
0: thank you (laughs) And then another Chicago-involved trade is Adam Gaudette was traded to the Chicago Blackhawks by the Vancouver Canucks on Monday, April 12th for Matthew Highmore. Disinfect the man before you let him in your locker room.
1: I'm excited and not excited about this because, as you know, very often when we watch Blackhawks games, I am always a supporter of Highmore just because I love the energy that he brings. He's ferocious. He reminds me of... A couple of players that have been through our organization over the few past years, but like he's not afraid to fight bigger people and get in people's faces and make big hits.
0: So is he similar to Shazier? Or kind,
1: kind of, yeah, a little bit to Shazier, where he's a little smaller than everybody else, but he doesn't care. You right. know, he's like, I'm here to play the game. and I'm gonna play hard, and so like it reminds me of Shazier when he was in his early years with the Blackhawks. Yeah, not his second time around, like where he's been concussed and injury prone, but like he just has that pace that. You just love to see a young player bring to the game. And, like, he's not a high goal scorer, but he creates a lot of turnovers in the offensive zone, and I think that's super important. Right. So I'm, I'm a little sad to see that go, whereas Godette is more of a sniper. You know, like, he he's not really going to over-the-top, like, go in and crush and bash somebody to get the puck, but if you give him the puck in the right spot, he's probably going to bury it in the back of the net. So, like, it's... It's a weird trade. It's yeah. it's like you're not replacing what you just lost, but you're getting something back that you didn't have. So it's it's weird. I don't know how I feel about it yet.
0: Do you need someone like Highmore now that you've gotten rid of Highmore?
1: Not necessarily. I feel like we still have a lot of speed on the team. You're really starting to see Khrushchev come into that role. So I really don't see that problem like long-term, but we'll see how it works out, I guess, because yeah. he's been a pretty big staple of our roster this year.
0: And then the last trade that I have is someone I didn't realize doesn't play for Dallas anymore because apparently I pay no attention to rosters. So that tells you the kind of sports fan I am. So Jordy Ben was traded to the Winnipeg Jets by the Vancouver Canucks on Monday, April 12th for a sixth-round pick in the 2021 NHL draft.
1: Yeah, that's it's been a while since Jordy Ben's been in Dallas.
0: Well, I feel like... The only reason I don't remember him leaving is because he hasn't really done anything for himself since he's left Dallas.
1: Yeah, it's been sporadic, to say the least.
0: Like, he hasn't put up huge numbers. Like, he hasn't been on the highlight reels that we watch every single week. And so it's like...
1: Well, it helps that he's not on the highlight reels because he's not in Dallas. We obviously see a lot more Dallas stuff here being in Dallas, so...
0: True. But anyway, he left to go to a different team, so... His second team since leaving Dallas?
1: (laughs) Yes. Uh, We're not done with trades yet, sadly. One of the bigger trades actively team-wise was probably the San Jose Sharks. You saw them making a lot of trades. They traded Devin Dubnik to the Avalanche for defenseman Greg Paterin and fifth-round pick in the 2021 draft. The Leafs also were active with the Sharks, also with the Blue Jackets in a three-team trade, which I know you tried to stay away from.
0: I don't like three-team deals.
1: The Leafs received... Nick Foligno from the Blue Jackets and Stefan Nozen from the Sharks. The Blue Jackets in that trade received a 2021 first-round pick from Toronto and a 2022 fourth-round pick. However, they retained 50% of Foligno's contract. So, like, they got a first-round pick, but they're holding back half of the monies from his contract.
0: Well, doesn't he take up a lot of cap space?
1: About 3500000 roughly, I believe, or three six somewhere in that range. The Sharks also received 2021 fourth-round pick and retained Noisson's contract and 25% of Fuligno's contract. So basically, the Leafs are paying Fuligno 25% of his contract for the year. Everybody else is picking up the slack. And they're not even paying Stefan Noisson. So I'm like, you're getting two players that are ready to play and help you push into the playoffs? for 25% of one of the players' contracts, and you're just giving up draft picks. Yeah. I'm like, that's a no-brainer, 100%. So. And then obviously the big one that everybody was just dumping on the Sabres for, I still don't understand why this made any sense to them, was the Taylor Hall trade. Right. It makes no sense to me whatsoever. The Bruins 100% got the better end of this deal. The Bruins received Curtis Lazar and Taylor Hall, both phenomenal players. Taylor Hall, he's been down and out for the last couple of years. At one point, he was the rookie of the year in the NHL. So I feel like he's being dealt around to just not so great teams. Like, he never really fit in in Phoenix. He never really fit in in New Jersey. You know, he had the one really shining bright season in New Jersey, and that's been pretty much it. And I feel like, honestly, looking at his performances and who he's been paired with over the years... Like, he's been paired with okay players. It's not like he's being paired with superstars. Like, you're not talking about, like, Crosby or, like, a Malkin or something along those lines. But reasonable players that should be able to project a guy like him forward, you know, quality-wise when it comes to performance. When he goes to Boston, he'll probably end up being on the second line, which I think is a good place for him to be. So, we'll see what ends up happening. I know in his first game with Boston, he scored a goal and he had an assist. So, you know, he's probably starting to fit in a little bit there. But the Sabres received... Anders Bjork, and a 2021 second-round pick, they're also retaining 50% of Taylor Hall's contract. So it's like, you guys got screwed. Right. Not even a first-round pick for an ex-Rookie of the Year. It just doesn't make sense to me. But maybe that was the best deal on the table, and they just didn't want to keep him around, so... But that's the end of the trade talk I have. I do have some cool news in the world of hockey, though. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury passes Ed Belfour this week on the all-time wins list with his 485th career win by defeating the Kings on Wednesday of last week. So that's pretty dope. Number four overall now in that role. So score for Marc-Andre Fleury. Yeah. Also, goalie Jack Campbell is now an NHL record holder for most wins in a row to start a season with 11 wins. He has lost his last two games this week, but... The he, streak is broken. The streak is over, but 11 wins. Still a pretty crazy run for a goalie starting off a season. So, And then talking about other streaks that have come to a very long run, one that brought tears to my eyes a little bit was just the way Minnesota handled it for Patrick Marlowe of the Sharks. He played in his... NHL record holding 1767th game. He will be taking the number one spot more than likely Monday night against the Vegas Golden Knights, moving into first place over Gordie Howe. Kudos to him. You've been in the NHL a long time.
0: He's really old.
1: Yeah, I think he right now also holds the fourth longest active streak of games played in like the realm of like 800 and something games. So yeah. the dude avoids injury. I don't know how he does it for so long in the NHL. My
0: thing is like not even illness. Right. Right. That's crazy. Yeah. Then again, I get a cold if it's a little chilly outside.
1: Yeah, it could be 80 degrees outside and you've got a cold somehow. Yeah.
0: Well, thankfully we are done talking about the NHL stuff. I never thought I would say that, but that was a long one.
1: Kind of expected though with the trade deadline stuff going on. Yeah, I know. And the sad thing is we left a lot off the table.
0: We really, really did. Those were just the ones important to us. Right. But I also feel like I have a lot of news for the NFL, which is where we will jump off to. So Kevin James from the shows The King of Queens and the movie Paul Blart Mall Cop will be playing Saints coach Sean Payton in the upcoming Netflix movie Home Team. The coach has read and edited the movie script so nothing will blindside him when it comes out. And the film begins shooting in both New Orleans and L.A. next month.
1: I wanted your opinion on the fact that they don't look anything alike.
0: I feel like they look more alike than you think they do, but their head shape is very different.
1: It just really bothers me that Paul Blart is going to play Sean
0: Payton. Or it could be um, whoever the character is from King of Queens. I don't know his name. Just picture that instead. Not that that's much better.
1: It's not. It's really (laughs) not. Like, unless he's dropped weight, like, his body figure doesn't even match Sean Payton. So it's like, uh, I don't know. Like, I'm not trying to body shame the guy. It just his facial structure just doesn't look right because of his weight.
0: I don't think so. I think his forehead's too tall. Yeah. That's my opinion. You can
1: edit that in post.
0: Can you? I don't
1: know. We'll find <laughs> out, won't we?
0: But I thought that was pretty funny.
1: Yeah, it was definitely interesting. So much so that I literally pulled up the picture because I wanted your reaction of, these are the two guys that are going to be kind of playing one another.
0: So it's like, great. Well, the one guy is playing the other guy, but it's just the head shape that's wrong. I really don't think they look that different.
1: It's going to be different, but we'll see how, how it turns out.
0: I guess. And then something that made me happy is that in a memo on Tuesday, April 13th, the NFL informed clubs that their tier one and tier two employees, excluding the players, quote, should be expected to be vaccinated unless they have a bona fide medical or religious ground for not doing so those who refuse without a religious or medical reason will not be eligible for tier one or tier two status quote and therefore will not be permitted access to the football only restricted area and may not work directly or in close proximity with players get your vaccine
1: yeah they forced it now it's a complete requirement so it's not just a this is what we expect it's done it's what it is now so that's i'm not shocked i'm happy that that's the case It honestly surprises me that this wasn't already a requirement.
0: It should have been. Right.
1: But staying on the COVID news of the NFL, uh, 19 teams have now opted out of OTAs.
0: And we discovered last week that was offensively timed assistant yep that's it that's <laughs> no, not what is it, it is
1: at all um it's basically off season training camps basically okay. so like training sessions and camp stuff like does that. not start with an a i know i had it on my thing last week and if you really are concerned you can either google it or go back to last week's episode and listen to it <laughs> um, but the 19 teams are the Falcons, Ravens, Bears, Browns, Broncos, Lions, Raiders, Chargers, Rams, Dolphins, Patriots, Saints, Giants, Jets, Eagles, Steelers, 49ers, Seahawks, and Buccaneers.
0: Whew. And a partridge and a pear tree.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. But speaking of long lists, since we're on the subject, the Washington football team announced a long list of possible team names for rebranding. I have some of them here for you, and I'd love to hear what the Washington football team's names are that you enjoy. I thought they
0: decided everyone wanted them to stay the Washington football team.
1: For this season. So the team name possibilities are the Aces.
0: No, go to Las Vegas.
1: The Ambassadors.
0: No, that feels gross.
1: Well, it's Washington, D.C., so really.
0: I get it, but it still feels gross.
1: Anchors, Archers, Armada, Aviators. Armada.
0: Are you serious? The
1: Washington Armadas. <laughs>
0: That's so stupid. Is your mascot going to be running around with a boat?
1: I hope it's just a battleship, just like, just moves around on like a cart or something.
0: Also, doesn't an armada mean multiple ships? Yes. So you really couldn't have an armada as your mascot?
1: No, you could not. The Aviators? No. The Beacons? No. This is my favorite one. The Belters.
0: <laughs> uh, can I hit whoever came up with this with a belt?
1: What about the Brigade? No. How about Just ca- be
0: an animal like everyone else.
1: Okay, I've got a good animal one for you here. Okay. The demon cats.
0: Yes. yes. Be the demon cat. Yeah. Someone would get mad. Or Some my f- Christian's going to have a fit about you being the demon cats.
1: Or the one soccer fan that came up with a recommendation for the organization. Football club. The first city football club. <laughs> <laughs> They're not even the first city They're in the non-line. United States. So it's like, what? Uh, How about uh, the Griffins?
0: That's not too bad.
1: Or the monarchs?
0: Do not be a butterfly.
1: What about the icons? No. (laughs) What about the presidents? The Washington presidents?
0: And your mascot has to wear one of those white, powdery, curly wigs.
1: And then I have two red, oh, three red animals for you. Red tails? Like the hawk? No. What about red wolves?
0: Maybe. Yeah? I like wolves. The what are they doing in Washington?
1: Right. Or the red hogs.
0: Are you in Arkansas? What is happening?
1: Well, they also have Razorbacks as one of the options, so yes, technically. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about Renegades? No. No?
0: How long is this list?
1: There's way more than I'm talking about, by the way. Like, the list is stupid long. It ends Hard up... Pass. I think it's going to end up be like 40 different things. The Washington D.C. Football Club, or DCFC. F no. <laughs> the Washington Capital City Football Club, the CCFC. No. No? And then... Last but not least, football team.
0: (laughs) I have a question. Yes. Did everyone just go to a bar one night and start coming up with this list? Probably. (laughs) Because that feels like a drunk person list.
1: There were some other really great ones on there. I'm going to put the list up on probably like Twitter or Instagram and just see via comments like what teams should be picked out of the list.
0: An animal. Just go with an animal. Red tail isn't that bad, but, like, it just sounds incomplete.
1: My vote is 100% for demon cats. I want to see (laughs) the Washington demon cats.
0: You're going to have the conservatives in the U.S. who have a problem with that. Well, it's true. They got rid of the devil rays for crying
1: out loud, so... Why can't I, they
0: just be the cats?
1: The demon cats. They could I love just it. be the cats. No, no.
0: No, they could just be the cats, and then their mascot has red eyes. So, like, they're They'd secretly, secretly the
1: demon cats. I'd buy that jersey. Yeah. Yeah.
0: See, it's ready to go. Isn't red one of their colors, too? So, It like, is. That works. Yeah. Yeah. But on to some non silliness. <laughs> A few rule changes are expected to come out of next week's vote from league owners. The proposal for expanded booth to official communication during replays has strong support among coaches and is likely to pass next week. It allows the replay officials and members of the officiating department in New York to advise on-field officials on certain aspects of a play based on a video review, video evidence.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about this yet.
0: I could see it becoming one of those things where it's like, this is taking 30 minutes for this one freaking call, and I will lose my mind.
1: I don't think it will ever become quite that bad. My main concern is how much sway is New York going to have over the referees that are on the field? Because, like, it used to be the referees' human error decision based on watching the video, all the video options that they would have, which, God, I wish we had all those options for television because there are a lot of cameras that the NFL uses that you and I will never see. Right. Right. So, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this.
0: I think I'm mostly okay with it, but I also don't watch a lot of football.
1: Yeah. It's the same thing that you're experiencing, like, in the soccer world, where VAR is just, it's slowly helping and destroying the sport. So, it's just, like, I think that's going to be a fine line to really kind of walk, I guess.
0: Probably, yeah. And then another proposal with strong support among NFL teams is... Easing restrictions on who can wear what jersey numbers, apparently each like position has only certain numbers they're allowed to use, which I had no idea.
1: Those systems have kind of always existed from like the high school days to college to the professionals. Like they all kind of have their own different standards, but yeah, it's always kind of been one or the other. So like you wouldn't have a running back wearing 99, you know, it's just not something that existed. So
0: apparently you wouldn't. You just wouldn't. Yeah. And then the Browns have released DT Sheldon Richardson, which will end up saving them about $11 million in cap space.
1: And they replaced him very quickly with Jadavion Clowney, one-year $10 million contract.
0: So in reality, they're saving a million dollars.
1: Yeah, except for they're bringing a much better player onto the roster. Like, it's going to be scary to see him on the opposite side of their already amazing defensive end. So it's going to be... Like, Genevieve Clowney literally came out and said, I'm excited to be on a roster where I'm not going to get double-teamed because they're going to be just as afraid of the other guy on the other side than me on the the one side. And I'm like, that's great. It's going to be scary to watch the Browns' defense next year.
0: I just feel bad that his last name is Clowney. Yeah. The Cardinals have agreed to terms with RB James Connor on a one-year deal. It looked like the numbers weren't up for that one when I looked through the article.
1: Yeah, I wasn't able to find any information on that one either.
0: And the Seattle Seahawks have signed Alden Smith to a one-year contract, and that one also did not come out with the numbers.
1: And then the last bit of NFL news that I personally have would be Julian Elliman announced his retirement this past week, did like a full-on like movie style, I'm stepping down, like they had a shot from him like theatrically just come up behind him. At Gillette Stadium, he's sitting in, like, a little director's chair in the middle of the field. I'm like, this is so bougie, dude, if you have to announce your retirement. The day before, the Patriots cut him due to injury and health reasons, so it's like everybody knew it was either he was going to sign with somebody or he was going to announce his retirement. So when that video dropped, it was like, did Jason Bay film this? Like I was just waiting for explosions to be everywhere the way that the entrance came in. So
0: I do not get your reference, but all right.
1: You don't get Jason Bay references? No. Okay, we're going to fix that by the next episode.
0: (laughs) Well, moving on to the MLB, I do not have a lot of news here. And I don't know if it's just because everything I read had something to do with, look at this play, look at this play. What about this play? Did you see that play? And like, that's not news. Put it in highlights. Don't put it in the news. Right. But that's a me thing and not a...
1: Gotcha. Gotcha.
0: For player health, all I have here is that Cody Bellinger underwent some scans recently after A's pitcher, Raymond Gudon, did something that they're calling cleating him on April 6th during a close play. So it looked like he got a cleat to the leg.
1: Yeah, he's been out since April 5th. Originally, they thought it was just a calf contusion. And then when he started his recovery process, he started to plateau and they couldn't really figure out why.
0: Yeah, so they, in the scan, discovered that he has a hairline fracture in his left fibula. He is no longer considered day-to-day, and that was what they were considering him prior.
1: Also, James Paxton will end up having season-ending surgery this upcoming week. They haven't See,
0: that re- is so much worse, because baseball just, just started. started.
1: <laughs> yeah, he didn't come out and say what kind of surgery he was having. Everybody expects it to be Tommy John, just because of the previous complaints of where his pain was coming from. So he should be having Tommy John surgery this week, and that's what's causing him to be out for the remainder of the year. Or
0: he could be like that one guy who had a bone spur in his elbow.
1: Right. And then Angels outfielder Dexter Fowler is going to be out for the rest of the season after having surgery this past week to repair a torn ACL. There was another thing with Steven Strasburg, but it was such a lacking of detail story that I was just like, okay, I'm going to leave it be. But he was seen in the... Hallway to the locker room, which is a no-no zone for recording. It's like frowned upon. You can record players in the dugout, but once they go beyond that, it's like a privacy moment. You know, like if he's experiencing some type of injury, the idea is not to let the opposing team see it or fans see those types of things. But they shot a picture of him just kind of rubbing in behind his shoulder, and as we know, he's had all sorts of nerve problems over the last couple of years. So everybody's like, "It's
0: back." Well, but that's just speculation at this point. Right,
1: and that's why I didn't really want to go like full into detail right. of it. But
0: But in other news, Max Scherze? Scherzer, Scherzer. Yep. has passed Hall of Famer Cy Young on the all-time leaderboards. He entered Friday's matchup against the Diamondbacks with 2,798 career strikeouts. At the beginning of the seventh inning, he tied Young at 2,806. And then by the end, with the next batter, he technically moved ahead. Yeah.
1: It's definitely a cool feat to pass a guy that the award for best pitcher is named
0: after. Right.
1: So like that that says something, albeit he's in 22nd place now or something along those lines. So it's not really, he's not top 10 yet. Right. But he's definitely one of the elite pitchers in the game, that's for sure. And since we're on the subject of pitchers... This week, Carlos Rodon of the Chicago White Sox threw his first career no-hitter.
0: How convenient.
1: Yeah. He threw the full nine innings, and eight and a third, he hit a batter with a pitch. I, I'm i not going to talk about it,
0: because... You whined about that so much.
1: So, like, I get it. He has the right to the batter's box as a batter. Like, I've used that argument before, but I always have tried to get out of the way of wild pitches. I'm not fond of getting hit by pitches. The player did come out. The Next day, and be like, I didn't know we had a perfect no game one going. It's you. like, by that
0: point in the game, everyone knows.
1: I'm like, listen, everybody was talking about it. There's no way you didn't know. Don't lie to the rest of the world. Like, yes, the White Sox fans are going to hate you every time you come up. You'll probably get booed for the rest of your career. But at the same time, it's like, don't play stupid, man. Right. There's one thing I hate most in the world, and it's people that play dumb. I think I had a conversation with one of my employees about that this week. It's just. It's beyond irritating.
0: I'm glad we're not getting into it.
1: That's about as far as I'm going to leave it <laughs> be, I guess, in that instance. But it's really kind of a cool moment for Carlos Rodon just because he's been injury-plagued for a number of seasons. This is only his 11th start since 2018. So, like, the average pitcher starts 10 to 12 games a year, sometimes more than that, depending on who you are, how high up the rotation you are. So the fact that since 2018 he's only pitched in 11 games is is tough. Kudos to Carlos Rodon. You joined a group of elite people with the no-hitter. I'm sad that you didn't become the 24th perfect game. I think you got robbed of that, but that's where I'll leave that for now. But also this week, Cleveland Indians first baseman Yu Chang made an error to give the White Sox a win. He received racist messages related to him being of Asian descent after the game. He came out and stated... This is his tweet response to the guy that sent the message to him. He actually screenshotted the message and called him out. Mm -hmm. You have the right to exercise your freedom of speech in a correct way. He said right way, but because English is a second language, the translation is a little rough. I accept all comments, positive or negative, but definitely not racist ones.
0: Well, you have freedom of speech. You don't have freedom of hate speech, which a lot of people don't seem to realize in America. And hate speech would consider racism as hate speech so
1: but he thanked all the fans and the fans of baseball who sent him love after this experience with the message and he hashtagged it as stop asian hate yeah so basically 99.9 percent of the community was like i can't believe this jerk that sent you this message and then that one won't use profanities but that guy who's an awful human being is like dude like that's awful But I think the best part of it was, was a comment right below it because the screenshot of the person that tweeted had zero followers and it was like, clearly nobody cares what you have to say. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, ooh, burn. (laughs) (laughs) Also this week, Tim Meade is stepping down as Hall of Fame president after only two years in the role, claiming that the work-life balance of being the president of the Hall of Fame is taking too much time away from his family time. Which, I don't know what a president of the Hall of Fame does.
0: That's what I was just thinking. Like, I don't know what you do that it takes up that much of your life.
1: But I can't fathom that it's, like, crazy amounts of work. But I guess as a president, you probably do a lot of things. Maybe. And in weird news in baseball, after last season, this is not the way I would expect it. But the Red Sox are currently leading the AL East because of a nine-game winning streak that finally came to an end on Thursday night against the Minnesota Twins, where they lost 4-3. to three. But the Yankees are also starting with their worst record in, like, a decade. So uh, they lost to the Rays, which gave them their worst record in that decade of 5-8 and eight as their starting record. It's one of the top five worst starts for the franchise in the history of the franchise. So, uh, yeah, that's a tough one. And there were a couple COVID incidences in the world of baseball this week. Cubs bullpen coach tested positive for COVID-19. In turn, three relief pitchers were placed on the IL for COVID-19-related reasons just because they were within that contact tracing range of that bullpen coach. They're basically waiting for those negative tests or positive tests to come back to. State, who was included on that, and that was done on Friday night, so pretty recently. Blue Jays' Tescar Hernandez will be out 10 days after testing positive for COVID-19. His test came back positive two days before that. He wasn't with the team at that point in time anyways because he was in the COVID list, I guess. They're calling it IR in baseball instead of an actual like COVID list like every other league is doing. Um, but he'll be out for another 10 days. Twins Andrelton Simmons has also been placed on the COVID-19 list after testing positive on Wednesday. So he'll be out for 10 days as well. That pretty much wraps up the world of the MLB, so... Are you ready to move on to the
0: NBA? I'm always ready to get rid of baseball.
1: Yeah, it's your least favorite of the sports.
0: It definitely is. For the NBA, there were two injuries that I saw of note, one of them being Utah Jazz guard Donovan Mitchell, who is expected to miss several games after suffering a right ankle sprain on Friday, April 16th, and after an MRI revealed no structural damage, so he didn't tear anything. He was helped off the court after suffering the injury during the third quarter. He took an awkward fall near the Pacers bench. So that's how that happened. That's rough. And then Jamal Murray of the Denver Nuggets will be out indefinitely after he suffered a torn ACL in his left knee.
1: That was a hard hit for your Nuggies.
0: Poor Nuggies. I'm assuming he's going to have surgery for that. I would imagine. In non-injury news for the NBA, the Boston Celtics announced on April 16th that they've signed forward Jabari Parker. The terms of the deal were not disclosed.
1: Yeah, Jabari Parker is a longtime veteran, so I'm not shocked to hear about signings like that. It's just like he needed a home to go to, and he found one.
0: Yeah. And the Brooklyn Nets have signed Elise Johnson to a multi-year contract on Sunday, April 11th.
1: Yeah, this... Guy's contract obviously came up to the end at the end of the season, and he's been a pretty staple player off the bench, so it kind of makes sense to give him some money and keep him around just because he's doing good work off the bench for you, and that roster's stacked, but the reality is a lot of those players that are assigned to those league minimums for veteran pays are, you know, contracts are expiring at the end of the season, so you're going to need somebody to play, so.
0: Right. And then you had Sacramento Kings guard De'Aaron Fox, who has been fined $20,000 for public criticism of the officiating. He made his comments to the media following the Kings' loss to the Utah Jazz on April 10th.
1: Yeah, so he actively criticized the referees on the court, got a technical foul for it, and then continued in the post-game interviews. So it's like, dude, did you not get the hint the first time? Yeah, relax. I understand his argument. Like, he was saying that it felt like the calls weren't being the same quality of calls on both sides of the court. So, like, the opposing team had 13 more free throw attempts than his team did. And he's like, it just doesn't seem right. And I'm like, right. I can agree, you know. But I mean, strange. that
0: also can happen if your team has a lot of fouling. Like, yeah, it can happen in the wild.
1: Yes. Also, the Oklahoma City Thunder signed Gabriel Deck to a four-year, $14.5 million contract. I know Barbie's going to be happy about this one because he's been a pretty big staple to the Real Madrid basketball team over in Europe for a number of years. So a good player being brought into Oklahoma.
0: I don't think my grandma will know who he is until he does some stuff in Oklahoma City. Yeah,
1: but she'll be happy when he does. Yeah. Yeah. In big news when it comes to buyouts, Alex Rodriguez and billionaire Mark Lore are finalizing the purchase of the Minnesota Timberwolves with a $1.5 billion offer. The offer also includes them becoming the ownership of the Minnesota Lynx, which is the WNBA team as well. So they'll own both the NBA and the WNBA team. The owner of the Timberwolves currently also owns the WNBA team. Go figure. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then Dwayne Wade also purchased a minority share in the ownership of the Utah Jazz, uh, the ex-Miami Heat superstar getting that opportunity. So,
0: Why would he buy the Utah Jazz?
1: Probably a decent team to own parts of. I think previously one of the partial owners of the Heat also is one of the part owners of the Jazz.
0: I feel like that's a conflict of interest
1: or just buying things with your friends.
0: I just feel like you shouldn't own two teams at the same time.
1: I don't think he owns any part of the Heat any longer, though. Oh, okay. Yeah. But speaking of records being passed, Steph Curry passes Wilt Chamberlain this week as the all-time leading scorer for the Golden State Warriors. He now has the franchise record with 17,818 points. That was when he broke the record. It's changed since then, but at the time, that's how many points he had. Kudos to Steph.
0: Good job, Stephanie.
1: Well, it's Steph in. Curry. Thanks to him, I get Stefan a lot. So thanks, bud.
0: I'm just saying, if we're going to say things that aren't in the name, let's add more. Yeah. You also had LaMarcus Aldridge retire from the NBA on Thursday, April 15th, after saying he experienced an irregular heartbeat during his final game with the Brooklyn Nets. He posted a statement on social media basically saying that the heart concerns were the scariest thing he's experienced and that for 15 years he's been putting basketball first and finally decided to put his health first because he was diagnosed with Wolf-Parkinson-White syndrome, which can cause a rapid heartbeat when he was a rookie. So he's like, I should probably deal actually with this take care of
1: myself for 15 once.
0: years after my diagnosis.
1: Yeah, I'm sure he was already getting like team doctor treatment and stuff like that. But but. that's
0: not putting your health first. Right. So.
1: It was announced this week as well that Michael Jordan will be presenting Kobe Bryant to be inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame on May 15th. That's pretty cool. Have MJ, you know, post passing away, induct him into the Hall of Fame. Posthumously. That's the word I was looking for, but I was not going to try to say it and butcher it. So it's kind of important. Yep. Also this week, the Wizards defeated the Utah Jazz one twenty five to one twenty one to end the Jazz's twenty four game home winning streak.
0: Well, that's sad. That's a long streak. Yeah, it it really is.
1: Yeah, I believe they're only playing like fifty eight or fifty nine games this season. So the fact that like almost that many half
0: home wins yeah, yeah
1: it's crazy. And then also this week, the NBA announced another week without any positive COVID nineteen tests. That's good. Which is extending the pet time back to April seventh for the last positive test. Not they just that need long to ago, keep that
0: up for the rest of the season. Yeah,
1: still a pretty good run, that's for sure.
0: And the last piece of NBA news that I have is that the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Brooklyn Nets honored Dante Wright before Tuesday's matchup in Minneapolis. The team held a moment of silence and wore warm-up shirts that read, With liberty and justice for all.
1: Yeah. They were with you, too. As and As it sums out. I don't actually want to take anything away from that. That's yeah. wrong. So, But did you have some MLS news? Because I know you always like to talk about it. Obviously, the I, season kicked off last week, so.
0: It did. And we already have our first... Scandal. I don't know if you can call this a scandal. Scandalous. Let's hear it. So the MLS has announced that Inter-Miami's signing of World Cup winning midfielder Blaise Matuti was not in compliance with its roster and budget rules. We had discussed a little bit of this before the investigation actually happened, but now it came to fruition. It's come out. The club could face sanctions, that part is still to be determined. The side co-owned by David Beckham recruited Matuti on a free transfer after he left Italian champions Juventus in August. The statement from MLS said that he was categorized as a targeted allocation money player, but his pay was above the limit for those players, so he should have been classified as a designated player. And teams are allowed to have up to three of the designated players, which is a problem since Miami already had three. Fun. So they were like, can't put him in this position. We'll put him in in this spot, despite the fact that that's not how that works.
1: So, like, I understand that all these rules are in place so that like one organization doesn't get an advantage over the other. But at the same time, MLS is so boring that you would think they would start to take these types of rules away to bring stars to the United States and make the MLS what it could truly be, which is a competitive league for the entire world. So,
0: well, I mean, you already have players coming from international teams. It's just a matter of, we've said coming there to die. Yeah.
1: So with the MLS, you're either starting your career and trying to get your name made for yourself or you're about to retire. retire, And there's not a lot in between. And so it's just, it's tough to be excited about the MLS. I'm not knocking it. I think in competitiveness wise, it's very competitive, but I just don't think an individual team has the same comparison to play a major organization. And that's why for the longest time, the all-star games for the MLS is the MLS all-star team against professional other teams in Europe. Like they play Manchester United or they'll play Juventus or they'll play Bayern Munich. It's like you guys clearly just are not on the same spectrum. If you have to have the entire league's best players to play against a real club. Right. Like, and I I feel like the MLS is holding itself back in an extent. I really do, as an American, want to see MLS grow because I would love to see soccer grow here in the United States to the same level that it is in other countries in the world. But until they start to actually care about being competitive, it's just like, who cares? I don't
0: know that getting rid of these budgetary and roster rules is really going to get you the competitive streak that you want. It's just no one wants to come to the U.S. because soccer isn't big in the U.S. So soccer isn't big in the U.S. because it doesn't have any big players. It's a circle. A never-ending one. Yeah.
1: The problem is soccer could be huge in the U.S. It's just there's nobody exciting to come watch. Like, if you ask me right now to name one player from FC Dallas, I live in Dallas. I have no idea. I couldn't name them. I could name the players that have come from Dallas and left and done things with their career, but I couldn't do the other one at all. Right. So it's just, like, it's sad. That coming from a soccer fan who loves all soccer. For the most part. But speaking of soccer news, a giant mic drop happened literally moments ago. Okay. Like breaking news here. There's a report that just came out that 15 of Europe's biggest clubs agree to form a super league in the year 2023.
0: A super league.
1: Basically, the best teams from different leagues to compete with one another. Some of the clubs. Is that not
0: Champions League?
1: Yes, but not. That way, they're going to be playing against each other like it's a normal league, meaning like leave Premier League, leave this. this so that's the goal anyways. These are
0: teams leaving their leagues, playing a different league. Like they'll never play a Premier game again or whatever.
1: So more than, this is the way the article's written, more than a dozen of Europe's biggest and richest clubs have agreed on principle on a plan to form a breakaway super league that threatens to derail the long-standing structures of the sport in Europe. So 15 of the top clubs, which would be permanent members of the potential 20-team league, have signed off on the project. Those clubs currently reported include English sides Manchester United, Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal, Tottenham Hotspurs, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Juventus, and AC Milan are also all being tagged in this league so far.
0: I didn't hear any Bundesliga teams.
1: Yeah, so far we're kind of just like, yeah, we're good. We'll see what ends up happening. There's been a lot of talk about doing this for a number of years, just because the lower tiered teams really don't draw that much attention. But the fact of the matter is the way these leagues are designed is that so teams can move up and down. And if the Super League exists, how do you control that?
0: Well, I feel like it's just going to be like one tier. So you won't have anywhere to move.
1: Right. So like if you suck, you just suck.
0: You're just at the bottom of the table all the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: I don't know that I like that. We'll see what ends up coming of that in other soccer-related news. Bayern Munich still sits on top by seven points over Red Bull Leipzig. You have Wolfsburg in third, Frankfurt in fourth. Dortmund moved back up from sixth to fifth again. It seems like you and Laverskin just can't figure out who wants to be in fifth place. We're just always flirting, Uh, switching back and forth. So you're in fifth place right now, so that gives you a Champions League playoff spot, which is good i guess we'll see but newcastle united has played well over the last couple games i'm gonna get my little spiel in for my team here uh they've picked up seven of their last nine points which is something they desperately desperately needed to do
0: so two wins and a draw
1: two wins and a draw yeah there you go math yeah yeah but that's brought them from 17th up to 15th place
0: oh man just you wait
1: and it looks like you guys did end up beating Burnley, so that does keep my team in 15th place. So okay. I appreciate that. Thank you. And on the top of the table in the Premier League, you have Manchester City, who's lost one and won three of their last four. Manchester United, who's won five of their last five. So it's 74 to 66. You guys are slowly closing the gap just because City got upset, This I believe, yesterday. Leicester City in third with 56 points, so they're 10 points behind you guys now. So basically the two Manchester teams are like... Dominating. Leave us alone. Yeah. We're up here by ourselves.
0: We're going to go have a sibling fight.
1: West Ham is in fourth place, and Chelsea is in fifth. So it's really interesting seeing the champions predecessing year be in sixth. Liverpool's all the way down in sixth place. They're not even in contention for a playoff spot or a... Champions League spots. We're so. not
0: that close to the end of the season, are we? Uh, they're not even in contention anymore?
1: They're at 52 points, so they could still get a Champions League spot. They'd have to play really, really well the last couple games. So mm. um, I think we're down to about four or five games now for the rest of the season. So we're getting to the end. Yeah. But that pretty much wraps up everything I have for you guys today. Exciting. It is exciting. Because now we can work on the book episode, which is what you guys will love on Thursday when it comes out.
0: More importantly, I can go have lunch.
1: Yes, but we will catch you next time, guys.
0: Make sure you check out all the social media, which should be linked in the show notes.
1: We'll see you for the book episode.
0: Bye. Bye.